There aren't many people who can tell you more about the history of Caterpillar than Lee Fosberg. Fosberg is heading into his 10th year as chief archivist for Big Yellow. In this episode of WCBU's history series, Postmark Peoria, WCBU correspondent Steve Tarter speaks with Fosberg about how he collects and organizes the company's history and how he tells that history using stories. The model here is, right, stuff comes in, you process that stuff, and then you kind of have an output of that stuff, either through doing, give, providing information requests from employees or our dealers or supporting like kind of you know, story making that's done on social media. But that's why we collected. I mean, we're really here, you know, to reinforce our values, to strengthen our culture and strengthen our brand. But quite simply, we're here to add value back to Caterpillar projects across the globe. I have to tell you, I really enjoy seeing several of your YouTube videos with Rusty Dunn. They're short little things, you know, four or five minutes. But I think I saw one on celebrities. You had a picture of Clark Gable at, at a, you know, driving a, well, a Cat 16 or something. Uh, Evil Knievel was in there. You've mm-hmm. also done one on, on the early history, uh, going back to the Holt uh, days. Uh, yep. do, do you have a whole pattern? You know, you've got a whole series of these. Well, you know, Rusty is kind of my partner in crime on this. But we have like what we'll call like a communications plan. And we'll try to link these, which we call them digging into history. Right. And we try to link them into the goals of the company. You know, in our history, one thing that's great about our history is, right, it's built within our DNA, the lot of things that we do today. So we'll run these little history stories. And, you know, it, it creates pride. And they're very popular, not just with employees, but they're, they're popular with our customers and our enthusiasts. I can even give you a little like sneak peek if you want into an upcoming one that sure. we're going to be doing. Yeah. But in 1930, you know, after Holt and the best company merged, the companies kind of had to kind of consolidate, right, what they did because, you know, they were two separate companies. But one of the things that was very important to the new company was this concept of what we call today services, like which is providing services through our dealers and selling parts. But a blue ribbon committee was made around 1930, and they tried to think about what would parts delivery be in the future and what types of technology could be used that maybe doesn't even exist right now. And there was these series of drawings, which are so interesting because they thought of concepts like television, if you think about television, was only really invented in the late 1920s, right? And didn't become successful to the 50s. But they saw like you could use things like phones and order parts and have parts delivered by airplane to customers to improve the customer experience. And I would like to think some of those little things that were done in the past are still things that are part of our culture that we do today. Attention to detail seems to be a a watchword with Caterpillar over the years. I mean, they really, I mean, obviously perfecting things, inventing things, going that extra mile, like you just explained, for the the dealers, for the customer. That seems to be a a routine thing that never, never really has changed. Right. You know, and it even predates us where both of our predecessor companies, they built dealer networks and they built them around the globe. 
In fact, one of our oldest dealers is actually in Tunisia, which was a former Holt dealer, but there's even best dealers. And what it's kind of interesting too, which I think says something to our culture, it's a lot of these dealers are still our dealers today. You know, I'm always thinking, even though I'm, I'm semi-retired, I guess one could say, the stories go through my mind, always recurring. And I think being in Peoria, we think of Caterpillar. And one of the stories that never seems to go away is World War II, the impact that war had on everybody and around the globe. But, you know, during the war, Cat was called on to provide all the, you know, tremendous, important tractors that played a huge role. But in the meantime, men went off to war. Women came into the factory. Do you have a lot of stuff on the, the, the era when women were, you know, in, in, the, in the plants? What percentage did you yes. have on that? Oh, now this is an educated guess, but I believe it was around 30 to 40 percent. Amazing. And one part of the plant, I know it was at 90 percent, is where they would make what they called aluminum engines. And that was about 90 percent. But what's really kind of fascinating about this, and you know, our predecessor companies were around during World War One. And women right. entered the plants during World War I also, and we have imagery of this, mm -hmm. but they tended to, once the war ended, you know, leave the workforce again. What's fascinating about World War II is, we, you know, we had the Rosie the Riveters, right, that, right. that worked on, you, you know, you would say the production lines. And a lot of them went back to work or went back, you would say, into the home after the war, but a lot stayed on. But what I find fascinating is, there were a lot of professional jobs that opened up specifically in research and development at Caterpillar. And those people, you know, which is today the tech center, those people stayed in those jobs. And there was really kind of a, you know, a tradition of that, which you even see today. It's amazing to me how World War II just doesn't go away because of the role that Caterpillar played, the home front. You know, two things about the war is, one is, if you think of the impact on Caterpillar, before the war, we made products in Peoria, and to a lesser extent, we had a factory in San Leandro, California. After the war, not long, you know, five to 10 years, we had plants across the globe. Right. I mean, it really kicked Caterpillar into... Being, I, I wouldn't say like a small company, but maybe more like a mid-size to, you know, kind of to what you see today is this multinational uh, company. The other part about the war is really the impact of our products. So when the war started, we were making things, you know, like, you know, the, the track type tractor, motor graders, you know, power units. And these were all used in the war effort, but we were also making things like gun mounts, and radial engines for tanks, but the importance of our earth moving products was almost so immediate that the government came back to us and said, you know what, no more gun mounts, you know, no more radial engines, focus on your earth moving products because they're the things that are making the difference. Lee, I know we've talked in the past at the Caterpillar Visitors Center. Are you going back to work on uh, exhibits for that? We're kind of at a very early stage of planning for exhibits, which would be in 2023. One of the ones on the agenda 
is we're looking to launch a you know a World War II exhibit, kind oh. of more focused on the home front, kind of what we just kind of talked about. And certainly like kind of women entering the workforce. Also, like one of the things that were, would probably be captured within that exhibit too is former Caterpillar president, Bob Gilmore, you know, who um, passed away last year. So there's a lot of things we're looking forward to focusing on. So right. you'll see more kind of heritage exhibits in 2023. That's Caterpillar Chief Archivist Lee Fosberg speaking with WCBU correspondent Steve Tarter about collecting and preserving Caterpillar's history. Postmark Peoria is a co-production of WCBU and Mike Sable. If you want even more stories about Peoria history, subscribe to the Postmark Peoria podcast on Apple, Google, Spotify, or NPR One.